Hey family, how are you doing? I pray all is well in the name of Jesus. So I was reading the word of God and I'm reading the um, book of Hebrews. So the Holy Spirit was like, let's share it. And I'm like, you know what, Holy Spirit, let's share it. (laughs) So I'm going to be reading the book of Hebrews with you. I'm going to have it all on one episode, but I will go day by day. It's not going to be all in one setting. So bear with me right now. If you would like to get your Bible, you can get your Bible. You can get your iPhone. You can get your Android or whatever it is that you have. I pray you have a a Bible Bible because it's so important. We have the written word in our hand because when technology fail us, we in trouble. But the book of Hebrews. All right. Also, I want you to bear with me because I am overcoming a cold. I am more than a conqueror in the name of Jesus. (laughs) So bear with me. Okay. So as we go through the um, word of God, I'm, I really love and I really enjoy sharing my understanding of the scriptures, but it's so important. We know the word to dig deep into the word. I love reading the word because faith come by hearing and hearing the word. You may be blessed by my understanding and how I share it. But there's no greater blessing than the word itself. So we're going to really go through the word of God and we're going to read the book of Hebrews. Amen. Amen. Once again, Hebrews and we're starting at chapter one and the Bible reads God, who at some dry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory in the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and to him he shall be unto me a son. Now I want to pause right there because verse 5 questions. There's a question mark after each one. It says, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee? Question mark. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Question mark. God is magnifying Jesus over all. He is above the angels. God is saying, At what time, at what point did I tell any of these angels I've begotten you? Or at any point did I say, I'm going to be your father? And you could be my son. None. He never did that. Christ and Christ alone. Only Jesus. And I love the book of Hebrews 1 because it's really magnifying Jesus above all things, including the angels. And I think he's making a valid point because he keeps speaking about the angels as we read further. Amen. Let's go back into the word of God. Verse 6. And angels, when he bringeth in the... And again, I'm sorry, when he bring in the begotten unto the world, he said, let all of the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he said, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. 
But unto the Son, he said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. And thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Amen. And the Lord, in the beginning, has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hand. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they shall wax old as a garment, and as a vesture shalt they fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same. Whew, we can say that again. Thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But unto the angels said at any time, sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool, question mark. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on the right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? None of them. He is really trying to expound on the importance of not worshiping angels and not magnifying angels. He was talking to Jesus. And then the last verse 14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation? The whole job of the angels is to minister to us, those who have inherit salvation. <coughs> Excuse me. They come to minister to us. They come to work and war on our behalf. They come and speak words into our life. But at no point and by no means should we worship angels. Okay? No point. God and God alone. He is magnifying Jesus above all things. He has made him above all things. He has given him the oil of gladness above his fellow above his fellows. He's, he's basically really saying, look, this is who you should be magnifying. This is who you should be looking to. This is who I anointed. This is the one that purves your sins. The angels didn't purge your sins. The angels ain't go to the cross. Amen. It was Jesus. He was the one that was anointed. He was the one. Okay. So at no point, this is what Hebrews one is saying. No point should we be worshiping angels. And for more scripture, I want to take... You to Revelations 19.10. This is, you, we all know the book of Revelation, but let's just tap into the word. Well, we all don't know the book of Revelation, but um, for those who do. Revelations 19.10, John is speaking, okay? And God wanted to show John many things, and he used an angel to show him. Verse 10 says, and I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not, I am thy fellow servant. And for thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Amen. Again, Revelations 22.9 And I, John, saw their things and heard them. And when I have heard and seen, 
I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then said he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the saying of this book, Worship God. Worship God. At no point we should be praying to angels. At no point we should be worshiping angels. At no point we should be praying to people. At no point we should be worshiping people. Christ and Christ alone is to be magnified over all. Amen? Amen. See you in Hebrews too. I love you. Bye-bye. Hey, family. Get your Bible. We're going into Hebrews 2. Amen. You sow into the Spirit, you'll reap the things of the Spirit. Let's tap into the Word of God. Starting at the first verse in the Bible reads, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, least at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which is at the first beginning to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard them? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with divers miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. For unto the angel have he not put in subjection the world to come, thereof we speak. But one in a certain place testifies, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visited him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels, thou crownest him with glory and honor, and did set him over the work of thy hand. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all things in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus. Mm. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom all things and by whom are all things, it bring, and bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, and in the midst of the church will I sing praises unto thee. Again, I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, in the children which God hath given me, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise 
took part in the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who, through fear of death, were all their lifetime subjected in bondage, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in many things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself have suffered being tempted, that he is able to help them that are tempted. Amen to the word of God. Amen to the word of God. Jesus is just like you and me. And don't misinterpret what I'm saying. We're not God. We can never be God, even though we are made in his likeness. But God made him so relatable. He made him so relatable to us that we can be able to identify ourselves with him. If Jesus did not come into the womb of a woman and be birthed in this earthly realm, walk, talk, eat, and cry, how could we relate to God? Amen? God made a way for us to relate to him, that he came, he lowered himself. He lowered himself and came in human flesh that we can be one with him. That we could be one with him. It says in verse 11, both he that sanctified and they that are sanctified are one. So much so that Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. But in every way, he is like us. That he put on him flesh. Made him a little lower than the angels. And he took on the form of the seed of Abraham so that he could be a merciful, faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God, to bring us back to God, to reconcile us back to the Father. And going through every situation that no matter what it is that we went through, we can go to Jesus because he has experienced it. Amen. He was tempted in every way that he can help those that have been tempted. I'm telling you the truth. There's nothing that you are going through that Jesus didn't go through. He's able to help you. I just love the word of God. See you in Hebrews 3, family. I love you. Bye-bye. Hey, family. Hebrews 3. The Bible reads, starting at the first verse, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant 
for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast and hold fast the confidence in the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Pause. Do you know that you are the house of God? We are the church. We are the house. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. I love seeing it in written form. That's how amazing you are. That God counted you so worthy that he wanted to make you the house in which he dwell. This is verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house whose house we are. Amen to the word of God. You are the house of God. You have to take that personally. You have to lift up your head and know who you are and how God wanted to you know, use you in such a mighty way that he placed himself within you. We know greater is he that is in us. And I think if you verbally spoke it out, I am the house of God. I am the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. I am the temple of God that you would see yourself so much greater, not in a, a prideful way, but to see yourself. Because sometimes we don't see ourselves right. But it's here, written in the word of God, that we are the house. Amen? Amen. Verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the days of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, tried me and saw my work for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now this is right here is so serious because God is saying, don't harden your hearts. The children of Israel, God led them out of Egypt. He fed them manna. He, you know, gave them water to drink from the rock. He showed up and showed out in so many different ways, yet their heart was always, you know, going astray from God. They wouldn't hear the voice of Moses speaking to them, even though God, Moses was faithful. Moses did all that God told him to do. But the children of Israel, they went astray. They went astray. They did their own thing. And God is now telling us, don't be like our forefathers. Don't go astray in our heart. Don't don't ignore the voices of the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore the voices of the Holy Spirit. The day that you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Don't go into a rebellious way. Don't do your own thing because God has shown up and showed out on our behalf on many times. But yet and still, we still let our heart go astray. And God is saying, don't be like your forefathers. Don't be like them because he sworn to them that they shall not enter into his rest. And many of the children of Israel died in the wilderness. They did not enter into the promised land. They murmured and they complained and half of them died. They did not even get to see the promise because they could not enter into the rest of God. And God want us to enter into the, his rest. Amen. Verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exalt one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you. Be hardened through deceitfulness of sin. Pause. It is so important that we truly encourage one another and lift each other's up. Least our hearts be troubled through the things that we go through. We all go through hard times and we all struggle with many different things. And that's why it's so important we love on one another and encourage one another and exalt one another. 
while it is still today. Because tomorrow isn't promised to any one of us. But if we look at each other as ourselves, and if we love each other as ourselves, and that's really what we need to begin, because sometimes we can't really love someone. The Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But what happened if you don't love yourself? How are you going to love your neighbor? So we got to start with loving ourselves first. And we can only learn how to love ourselves by entering into a loving relationship with Christ. Amen. Verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast into the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who haven't heard rebelled indeed. It was not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses. Now with whom was he angry? Forty years. Forty years. Was it not with those who sinned, who corpse fell in the wilderness, and to whom did swear that they would not enter into his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter because of unbelief. Mm. They wandered in the wilderness because they didn't have the faith to believe that God was going to take them into the promised land. And this is no matter how much we want to get away from something, we need to be reprogrammed. We need to be retrained. Our mind needs to be regulated. And even though God delivered them out of Egypt, Egypt was not out of them. And because they would not let go of the past and would not let go where God has delivered them from, half of them died in the wilderness. And we have to allow God to deliver us from our own Egypt. We all, we all have an Egypt that we need to let go. We all have patterns and we all have ways and habits from Egypt of our past, how we grew up. We got to let these things go if we plan on living a life that's pleasing in the eyes of God. I, you know, a heart that believes, a heart that won't go astray, a heart that trusts that God is faithful at his word. We have to really not harden our heart and listen to the voice of God when he leads us because God wants us to enter into his rest. He does not want us to be like our fathers and just wander, wander through life. Never making it to the next level, never really growing, never really changing, never really transforming, never really transforming, but just dying in the wilderness. Mm deep. See you in Hebrews 4, family. Love you. Bye-bye. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, family. Hebrews 4. Get your Bible. Starting at the first verse. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith and those who heard it. Pause. Mm. The word of God is supposed to profit us. When we hear the word of God, it's supposed to profit us. It's supposed to transform us. It's supposed to regulate us. It's supposed to strengthen us. It's supposed to cause a a, a longing and a, a deepening relationship with Christ. The word should cause us to desire more of the word. I just wanted to share that. Because I love that it said the same word that we're hearing, they heard it. 
But they didn't allow that word to profit them. And because they did not allow the word to profit them, they could not enter into the rest of God. I'm going to continue. Verse 3. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he had said. So I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designate a certain day saying in David today, after such a long time, as it has been said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his work as God did from his. Mm. Mm. Pause. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. This is that transition between the law and grace. Law says you need to work. Grace says enter into my rest. God wants us to get to a place that we're not doing what we're doing because we think if we don't do it, that we're going to somehow miss out on his love or miss out on his blessings or he's not going to do what we want him to do. The works have to come from a, a place of love that I'm doing this because I love you, not because I'm afraid. I'm doing this because I'm a servant and I want to please you, not because I'm afraid that if I don't, that you're not going to love me or you, you're not going to bless me or you're not going to you know, heal my body or whatever it is. Verse 10. For he who has entered his rest has himself also cease from his works so that's basically saying in order for you to enter into the rest of God you got to let go of your idea of works that you have to really receive the grace of God like what does the grace of God really means to you no it don't mean that you can do what you want no it don't mean that you don't have to serve it means that it shifts your heart and you look at things differently when you really open your heart to receive the grace of God. That I'm not doing this because I have to. That I'm doing this because I really want to. Grace calls you to want to do things for the kingdom. It somehow shifts your heart. I, I can't really, that's, I could just express it how I experienced it. When I received the grace of God, I stopped going to church based on I thought I had to go to church as a, a, a rule or I had to do my due diligence or, you know, I had to get my check mark for the week. No, when I received the grace of God, it, I went to service because I wanted to serve. I, I didn't have no fear. I didn't have any doubts. I, I just received it. And I knew God loved me. 
And I knew that his blessings had nothing to do if I came to church or not. That what was for me was already for me before the foundations of the world. And if I could just enter into the rest of God. Mm. It's just a beautiful thing when you really receive the grace and really receive what it is that God has done. What Jesus has done on the cross for you. You do things differently. You will still do it, but your reasons for doing it would be completely different. So I love that it said that he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Amen. Verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Least anyone fall accordingly to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Oh, this is good. This is exactly why I want to read. This is why I want to read because the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. The word of God is what's going to change your heart. The word of God is what's going to change your mind. The word of God is what's going to shift your perspective. The word of God is what's going to convict you to repentance. I love that it said there is no, nothing hidden in the sight of God, but all things are naked. I remember my walking with God in the beginning stages that when the word began to prick my heart and pierce me and it began to, you know, divide between the soul and the spirit, that convicting that came upon me that conviction that brought me to repentance it makes you feel naked it's something about the word that when you allow it to get to your heart it exposes you it exposes you because at the end of the day as it is written we must all give account to God for what it is that we do with the life that he's given us that word would expose me and I didn't like the feeling that I had because the, the word was able to really expose the things that I thought nobody saw. That's when I realized that, God, you see it all. It's one thing to read it. It's another to experience that when that word pricked me and it showed me who I really was, I was very much naked and I felt exposed by the word of God. And it brought me to repentance. And not only did I let the word convict me to repentance, but I also let that word renew my mind. The Bible says, be renewed in your mind by the word of God. Let this mind be in you, the mind in Christ Jesus. Only the word can do that. The word can change your heart and the word can change your mind. That's why it is important that we read the word of God. Amen. Verse 14. <clears throat> Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let's hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. 
Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Mm, This is good, family. This is so good. This is so good. Verse 15 saying that we do not have a high priest, which is Jesus. He's the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. (laughs) We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us. He was tempted in every way. Going back to Hebrews 2, that Jesus was tempted in every way, that he's able to help those who's being tempted. But this one went, this chapter went a little further. It's saying that we don't have a high priest that cannot sympathize with us because he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. Not only was Jesus tempted in every way, he was tempted, yet he didn't sin. He didn't fall short and he didn't miss the mark. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect sacrifice. And no, none of us are Jesus, but if we're... But if we are to walk in his likeness, because we are made in his image, we too can make it through without sin. We can too be tempted and sin not. Amen. So let us come boldly today. Let us go boldly to the throne room of grace. Let go of your works. Let go of what you can do for God and enter into the rest of God. Because that's when you really live on purpose. Amen. That's when you really live on purpose, when you get out of what you can do and let God do through you. God want to do through you. God want to move through you. God want to heal through you. God want to talk through you. But it's entering to that rest that he can do so, that you're letting go what you can do so that the greater in you can be made manifest. Let us boldly go through the throne room of grace that we can obtain the mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. God knows we're going to fall short. God knows what we're going through. And yes, some of us have fallen to the temptation and we have sinned. But in the moments in which we sin, God has given us an advocate that we can boldly go through the throne and say, Abba, Father, have mercy. Have mercy on me and find the grace to get you through the next day. Oof. I'm just loving this. This is good. This is good. Okay, family. (laughs) I'm going to see you in Hebrews 5. Hello, everybody. My name is Denisha. Today, I will be reading the book of Hebrews, chapter 5. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in the things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. We can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, but that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sin. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not in himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he said also in another place, Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek, who, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with strong crying and tears unto him, that was able to save him from the death that was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet he learned he 
obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto them all that obeyed him. Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and heard to be uttered, seeing ye are dual of hearing. For when the, for the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principle of the oracle of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in a word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Amen. Amen. I really love the book of Hebrews chapter 5 because there are a few verses in this chapter which really have caught my attention. For in verse 12 where it says, when, For when the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principle of the oracle of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. And what this verse is basically saying is, one who has a Christian or a someone who has given their lives to the Lord, they are at that place in their life where they're supposed to be already mature in the spirit of the Lord, and they are all to be teachers and teach others how to walk in the way of the Lord. But somewhere in their life, they have not fully given themselves unto the Lord to be used for His glory, or or was able, or was at a point in their life where God can teach them, and to and they are able to learn. But because they wasn't able to learn or gravitate to that teaching of which God has already taught them, they are a babe in Christ. They're not at a point in their lives spiritually where they can eat meat, where they can take on certain situations in their life where they can be able to grow and because of this and because they're not able to grow they cannot teach another person where they're at a point where they are teach you can imagine a person who has given their lives to the lord and they're supposed to edify themselves in a word of god and to grow spiritually and it has been what like five years ten years and there's just some certain things that they was wasn't able to take on when it came to the word of God and then someone who is just now giving their lives to the Lord and they want to grow and they want to learn but they need somebody to help build them up in the spirit but this person who has been saved for all these years don't know about spiritual wealth warfare may not know about um, having a relationship with Jesus Christ things are maybe about religion and they don't know how to grow in the Lord they cannot teach that person how to grow in the Lord so then we got two babes walking in the will of God and and then that's when situations come their way they don't know how to handle that problem or that situation which which may even cause them to be stag- stagnant in their walk with God and I love this because as we read this word, we, we are also being taught that there are levels and God wants us to grow. He wants us to be, at a, be, be able to be at a point in our lives where we're able to take on circumstances, where we're able to go through the spiritual warfare and come out victorious in him. And knowing that at the end that Christ has the victory in all that we face and all that we go through. But it starts by reading the word of God. It starts by having the Holy Spirit mature you in the Lord. It's by having the Holy Spirit equip you with the things of God, equip 
equip you with the word of God, which is able to build you up in the spirit, that you are able to walk with the joy of the Lord who is your strength, that you're able to have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that you're not walking with a carnal mind, you're not walking earthly, and then when a spiritual situation hits, you don't know how to handle it because um, you have not allowed the Holy Spirit to equip you or to teach you, and where you're at that point of your life where you're going through, you're not able to eat this type of meat because you're so bombarded by issues that you probably have went through before when you're a babe in Christ and God wants to teach you and, and develop you. He has to take you through the same situation over and over and over. It's just like a person who is in grammar school. They continuously be in the second grade over and over and over because they have not allowed the Holy Spirit of God to mature them. Or, for example, where it says, where you ought to be teachers, you're still drinking milk. It's just like a child who is in grammar school and a teacher comes and trying to teach them something from a higher grade level. That child is not going to be able to receive that understanding. They're not going to be able to receive that a type of excitement that, that a, a mature student is supposed to receive. But when you are someone who is in the eighth grade or when you're at a higher level in your education, and you're receiving the right account of a right amount of uh, assignments you're receiving something that you can take on that that you're able to within the grade that you're in it is just like a person who is in the lord and they're eating meat you're able to have more challenges come your way because you have developed you have grown you have passed level one you have passed level two and it's just like being in grammar school there's different levels you got the first grade you got the second grade and you got the eighth grade and as much as given as much as required so you're going to be given the exact amount of work that is expected of you but us who are in the lord it's just like levels. We're able to, we're all to mature in the spirit. We're all to grow in the spirit. We're all to develop ourselves in the Lord. And just like I said, as much as given, as much as required. So once I have developed myself in the Lord, the, the Father can be able to strengthen me even much more. I can even go through more challenges in my spiritual walk with God compared to when I first gave my life to the Lord. You can imagine someone just being born again and then they go through spiritual warfare. They don't understand what's going on. They don't know what to do. They 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 depressed. They they depressed because they don't understand or know that this very trial in which they are going through are to help build them up spiritually in the Lord. So they're going to be like, man, I was better off being an uh, unbeliever in the Lord because my life was so much better before I gave my life to Christ. And here I go giving my life to the Lord and now I'm struggling and with areas of my life I didn't know I was I was going to be dealing with. I thought I was going to be able to handle the situation, but there's something going on in my life where I feel so weak and I feel so broken. And the thing is, Christ want us to find our true strength in him. And you can imagine us living in this life thinking we have it all together in ourselves. And that's a part of the reason why the Lord also allows us to go through trials and tribulations. He allows us to go through situations in our lives where we cannot handle it on our own. Because in reality, Christ really wants us to really depend on Him and to know that He is more than able to strengthen us and fix us and equip us with His strength alone, not our own. And that's one of the things that uh, a mature believer in the Lord who is eating meat 
are is able to understand. They know that at the end of the day, I may go through these trials. I may go through these circumstances, but I know that I got the victory in the Lord. I know that at the end of the day, God is going to bring me out and my faith is strengthened. I believe and know that the Lord is going to fix these things so I can continuously grow in the Lord. I can continuously read my Bible and allow the Holy Spirit of God to strengthen me so that he could bring much more things in my life that's going to help me to be even become better. But if I'm in the Lord and I'm supposed to be eating meat, but I'm drinking milk, you can imagine like, wow, the Lord wants to strengthen you in an area, but he has to take you through something over and over and over because you have not learned, you have not gravitated to what it is that God wants to do in you. So saints, Let's continuously grow in the Lord. Let's continuously to mature ourselves in God so that we will no longer drink milk, but that we will continuously eat meat and even much more. Amen. Amen. Hey, family. How are you doing this evening? We are going into Hebrews 6. Get your Bible and let's go back into the Word of God. Starting at the first verse in the Bible reads, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of the faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptism and of laying on hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permits. For it is possible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that cometh upon it, and bring forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessings from God. But that which beareth thorns and beards is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your works and labors of love, which ye have showed towards his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of the hope until the end. Pause. God is not unrighteous. God remembers and he sees your labor. He sees your love. He sees the time that you take to speak to your brothers and sisters and to encourage them, to edify them, ministering to them. God sees all things. And it is his desire that everybody, everybody, each and every one of us, I think sometimes we look we, 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 we leave it to the pastors, we leave it to the ministers, but as born-again believers, it is each and every one of our responsibility to share the gospel. Verse 11, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of the hope to the end. 
We all supposed to minister. We're all supposed to encourage one another. We all supposed to labor and love. Amen. Amen. Verse 12, that ye be not slowful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. It, it's, you have to be careful and prayerful not to get slowful, not to get sluggish, not to get weary. It is not easy. It is not easy, but by the grace of God, it is not hard either. With prayer and with dedication and, and, and making your mind up and making the decision that you're going to live for God and that you are going to represent the kingdom of God, it is so important we are mindful because the enemy is looking for open doors and opportunities to cause us to be slowful, to cause us to procrastinate, to cause us to get weary, to cause us to get frustrated, to cause us to give up and throw in a towel. But we have to endure to the end in order to inherit the promise. The enemy wants you to forfeit the promise because to be honest, he really can't take it from you. But if he can get you to forfeit it, he'll do whatever is necessary for you to give up on a promise that you know God told you that was for you. But if you endure to the end, all the way to the end, and you press towards the mark, and you pray, and you pray, and you fast, and you do whatever it is that you got to do to stay in the will of God, you will inherit the promise. Verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Surely, blessings will I bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Amen. He patiently endured, and he obtained the promise. It took a long time for him to get that promise. God promised him a seed. Abraham was 100 years old when he got that promise. And we got to know it doesn't matter how long it takes. We have to let go of our timetable and we just have to endure and we have to be patient and know that God is faithful. Amen. Verse 16. For men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promises the immutable of his counsel confirmed by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast in which entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made and high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Amen to the word of God. Amen. 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 God is not man that he should lie that he has made promises to us that when we patiently endure that we would obtain the promise but we have to be mindful to stay diligent because there are some who are falling away and not just 
anybody. It said those that have tasted the good word of God, those who partake in the Holy Ghost, their eyes was enlightened and yet they still fell away. We have to be mindful. We have to be prayful. We have to be diligent because the enemy is roaming around like a lion seeking whom he can devour. Who who can he cause to fall away? Who can he discourage so badly that they give up and throw in the towel? Who could he frustrate? We have to endure to the end, family. Don't let the enemy steal your promise. It is yours and yours alone, and God wants to give it to you, but we must endure to the end. We cannot fall away. We have to repent. We have to say, Father, forgive me for, you know, being sluggish. Forgive me for being procrastinating. Forgive me for allowing this frustration, for allowing, you know, the disappointment, for allowing whatever it is that I have allowed to cause my heart to be weary, for me not to same for, for me not to have the same fire, for me not to have the same zeal, for me not to have that same push, that same drive for the kingdom of God. Whatever is causing you not to have we you know, you, you used to hunger for souls and now you don't feel the same way because you done got weary and you know the goodness of God. You tasted the word of God. It was good to you. You partaked in the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You were praying in the spirit. You felt the anointing rest upon you. Your eyes was open and now you're tired. You're weary. We got to repent, family. Because we got to know that that is not God and that the enemy is putting the pressure so we can give up on the promise that God has promised us. Each and every one of us has a promise from God. I don't know your promise, but I know my promise. And I refuse to let the enemy steal another thing from me. If we could look at our lives and look at the things going around us, we can admit, you know what? I've allowed the enemy to take some things from me, but I'm declaring and decreeing no more. He will take nothing else from me. Because I know the goodness of God. I partaked it in the goodness of God. My eyes have been enlightened. I partaked it in the heavenly gifts. And I know God is not man that he should lie. But that all things shall be accomplished in the name of Jesus. Because he see what I'm doing. He see my work. He see my labor and what I'm doing in his name. Not what I'm doing in my name. What I'm doing in his name. He see me. And I'm going to continuously do what he has called me to do. Because when I endure to the end, I will inherit the promise in Jesus name. Amen. See you in Hebrew 7 family. I love you. Bye bye. Hey family. Two things before I continue on. One, first and foremost, I want to tell each and every one of you. Thank you. I truly appreciate your support and you walking this journey with me. I am so encouraged by you guys as I go on and I go and see my viewers and go and see that, you know, you guys are listening to the podcast. It is so encouraging to me. So I am 
with all of my heart so grateful and I just want to say thank you and I love you with agape love and let's just continuously walking this walk secondly anchor has implemented a way for you guys to partake in the podcast go into the details of whatever platform you're using and you'll see submit a message once you go on there you can give words of encouragement you can ask a question you can maybe give me your concerns but feel free I want you guys feedback and I I want you to be able to engage with me. If you want to be a part of the podcast, let me know and I will import your message into the podcast. If not, I will just answer you on the podcast. Either way, come join me and let's have fun in reading the word of God. Amen. Amen. Now let's get back to the word of God. Hey family, how are you doing today? We're going into Hebrew 7. Get your Bible, get your iPhone, get your Android, and let's go into the Word of God. I am reading this from the Amplified Version, and the Bible reads, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham as he returned from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of all the spoil. He is, first of all, by the translation of his name, King of Righteousness. And then he is also King of Salem, which means King of Peace. Without any record of father or mother, nor ancestral line, without any record of beginning of days, birth, nor ending of days, death, but having been made like the Son of God, he remains a priest without interruption and without successor. Now pause and consider how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the spoils. It is true that those descendants of Levi who are charged with the priestly office are commanded in the law to collect tithes from the people, which means from their kinsmen, though these have descended from Abraham. But this person, Melchizedek, who is not from their Levitical ancestry, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who possessed the promise of God. Yet it is beyond all dispute that the lesser person is always blessed by the greater one. Furthermore, here in the Levitical priesthood, tithes are received by men who are subject to death. But in that case concerning Melchizedek, They are received by one of whom it is testified that he lives on perpetually. A person might even say that Levi, the father of the priestly tribe, himself, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, the father of all Israel and of all who believe. For Levi was still in the loins, unborn of his forefather Abraham, when Melchizedek met him. Now, if perfection, a perfect fellowship between God and the worshiper, had been obtained through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people were given the law, what further need was there for another and different kind of priest to arise, one in the manner of Melchizedek, rather than the one appointed to the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is of necessity a change of the law concerning the priesthood as well. For the one of whom these things are said belong, not to the priestly line of Levi, but to another tribe, from which no one has officiated or served at the altar, 
For it is evident that our Lord descended from the tribe of Judah. And Moses mentioned nothing about priests in connection with that tribe. And this becomes even more evident if another priest arrives in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of a physical or legal requirement in the law concerning his ancestry as a descendant of Levi, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible and endless life, for it is attested by God of him. You, Christ, are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is canceled because of its weakness and uselessness, because of its inability to justify the sinner before God. Pause. This pause is my pause. The first pause was in the word. (laughs) I love that it's saying that the law is being canceled out because the law is enabled to justify us as sinners. The law could not do what Jesus did. If we could be honest, the law caused them to sin even more. So this is the reason why it is being canceled out right here. I love that it says that for the law never made anything perfect and it could not. And it was unable to justify the sinner before God. Let me continue reading. While on the other hand, A better hope is introduced, which we now continually draw near to God. For what Jesus did, the law actually drawed us away from God. Because when you, I feel like even now, some people think of the Bible and they think it's just this big rule book and they don't see the grace of God. And I feel like most people struggle doing something when they feel like it's a commandment. Look, thou shall not, thou shall not. I can't do this. And it's hard not to do it and you struggle. But with the grace of God, even though some people still struggle, the grace lets you know that I love you. The grace lets you know that I know you're not perfect. The grace lets you know that, you know, I, 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 I chose you even though I knew you were going to mess up. I chose you even though I knew you was going to miss the mark. I chose you. The Lord just says either you obey or you die. Grace says when you fall short, you have an advocate that's sitting on the right hand of the father. And this is so important that we we acknowledge the grace of God because the law actually draw us further with grace, draw us closer. Amen. Amen. Verse 20. And indeed, it was not without the taking of an oath that Christ was made priest. For those Levites who formerly became priests received their office without it being confirmed by the taking of an oath. But this one was designated with an oath through the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind or regret it. You Christ are a priest forever. And so because of the oath, greater strength and force, Jesus has become the certain guarantee of a better covenant, a more excellent and more advantage agreement, one that will never be replaced or annulled. We can celebrate that right now. We can celebrate that right now. We can celebrate that right now that I thank God that Jesus came and died on the cross because we would still be under the law if the Jesus being the most high priest, 
the, the, the everlasting high priest did not enter on the scene and was willing to lay down his life for us, that we would be under the old covenant, uh, a lesser covenant that says, okay, you obey or you die. You do this or this is going to happen. But because of the new covenant, and because of the better covenant and because of the blood of Jesus, we're able to go to God. We're able to draw near unto God and say, Father, forgive me for my sins. I cover myself in the blood of Jesus all because of the better covenant, because Jesus is that high priest. You, we all know. Well, I keep saying we all know, but we don't all know. In the Old Testament, when a person sent, the priest went before God. And he offered up a sacrifice on his behalf in the behalf of the people. But Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice, laying down his own life, he laid down his life once and for all for everybody, for everybody that makes him the most high, that makes him the high priest. You know what I'm saying? So what Jesus did for us, we could just celebrate. We could just celebrate. I love, I just love, I'm, I'm loving this Hebrews Bible study. I'm just loving it right now because it should ignite you. It should get you excited. It should make you, it should make you fall in love with Jesus. It should make you see him in a different way because if we were still under the law and it should help you break, break away from the law, not to be disobedient, but break away. Cause I feel like when, when I got to that place and I was able to break away from the law, not because I didn't have to be obedient, but to know that if I fell short, I wasn't condemned. If I fell short, that God didn't didn't turn his back on me. If I fell short that God just, you know, wiped my name out of the book. Now, don't get me wrong. We have to repent and we got to go to God and we have to begin to walk accordingly to the word of God and walk worthy of our calling. But I believe with all of my heart, it is important to know that we serve a high a high priest that has laid down his life and sacrificed himself once and for all that we can go and draw nigh to God where we couldn't before. That we received a better covenant, one that can justify us, one that can draw us near to God, one that can purify us, one that can, amen? The, the law couldn't. Jesus can. The law couldn't, but Jesus can, amen? I'm excited. Forgive me. <laughs> Verse 23. The former successive line of priests on one hand existed in greater numbers because they were each prevented by death and continuing perpetual in office. But on the other hand, Jesus holds his priesthood permanently and without change because he lives forever. He reigns forever. He reigns forever. He reigns forever and evermore. I'm sorry, but this is something to get excited about. That the old, the law said that they couldn't stay in office because they died. And they always needed someone to come after them. And it was always someone in the line of the family, someone in the ancestral line. But Jesus, being our high priest who lives forever, we have a covenant that don't change. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have a covenant, a better covenant that will not change. It is forever. It is set. It is sealed. You could, I mean, oh, this is something to get excited about. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited. 
Let me finish reading and then we could talk about it. Verse 24. But on the other hand, Jesus holds his priesthood permanently and without change because he lives on forever. Therefore, he is able also to save forever, completely, perfectly for eternity. Let me read verse 25 again. Therefore, he is able also to save to save forever, completely, perfectly, for eternity. Those who come to God through him, since he always lived to intercede and intervene on our behalf with God. It was fitting for us to have such a high priest, perfectly adapted to our needs, holy, blameless, unstained by sin, separated from sinners and exalted higher than the heavens, who has no day by day needs like those high priests to offer sacrifice, first of all, for his own sin, personal, and then for those of the people, because he met all the requirements did this once and for all when he offered up himself a willing sacrifice. This is what I'm loving right now. I went ahead of myself when I spoke about it earlier. But we got to know that what the old priest did, he had to go before time and time and time again. Every time they rebelled, every time they sinned, that priest had to go before God. He had to get a, 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 a animal for himself and he had to get an animal for the people and he had to do all of these sacrifices. But this Hebrews 7 27 is telling us that Jesus did it once and for all. Once and for all, he don't have to keep going back to God. He made the ultimate sacrifice by laying his life on the cross, dying for you and I. Amen to the word of God. Amen to the King of glory. I'm excited. I pray you're excited because I love reading the word of God because it enriches you. It strengthens you. It opens your eyes. It gives you the hope and it really increases you. I love reading the word because it increases me. Amen. This is exciting, family. This should help you break away. This should help you not be condemned when you mess up. This should help you know that you serve a God that understands, that you serve a God that loves you, that you serve a God who grace is sufficient, who was perfect, He who was perfect in the place where you're imperfect, amen, who's holy in your unholiness, that you can take your holiness, your unholiness and your imperfections to a perfect God and to a holy God and repent with all of your heart and be forgiven. I think that's something to be excited about. I think that's something to be excited about because I'm not perfect and I'm, I'm a work in progress. And even though the Bible said is be ye holy as he is holy, we all know we fall short to, to the word of God. We all fall short to the glory of God, all of us. So I find this encouraging and I'm excited for what I know my Lord has done for me on the cross, removing you know, not he, he, he get, he instituted a better covenant. I won't say that the old covenant was bad. I won't say the law was bad, but what the word of God is saying that Jesus instituted a better covenant. Amen. So I will just celebrate my better covenant. Verse 28. 
For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, frail, sinful, and dying men. But the word of God's oath of God, which came after the institution of the law, permanently appoints as priests a son who has been made perfect forever. I'm excited. I just truly love reading the word of God. And I I pray that you are getting fired up and that you're getting excited with me, that you begin to enjoy reading the word of God. We got to get back to falling in love with the word. I, I want you to fall in love with the word, because when you fall in love with the word, you fall in love with Christ himself because he is the word made flesh. I want you to fall in love with the word. I want you to fall in love with his love letters, because all of this is to strengthen, to lift you up, to encourage you, to edify you. This this is just so beautiful to me, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity to share and break bread with my family and give you, you know, just break down the word, read the word. As I pray and ask the Lord to open the eyes of my understanding that I may share it and that he opens up the eyes of your understanding when you hear it, that we can be blessed and that we could be joyful and that we could be strengthened and that we could be edified as we read the word of God. Amen. Amen. See you in Hebrews 8. I love you. Bye bye. Hello, everybody. My name is Kevin. And I'm going to be reading from the book of Hebrews chapter 8. And this is what the word of God says. Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, a minister in the sanctuary and the true tent, which is set up not by man, but by the Lord. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Hence it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he will not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly sanctuary. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, He was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry which is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, The days will come, says the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers, on the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I paid no heed to them, says the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, and I will 
write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow or everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he treats the first as obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing ready, growing old is ready to vanish away. I thank God for this particular portion of the scriptures because it clearly demonstrates to a believing Christian of the journey that God has taken us as human beings. For once we were under the law, but now we are under the grace of God. The Bible says that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. In the time of the past, men were required to show their devotions by keeping of the commandments of God, failure to which there was repercussions that they had to undergo through. But the grace of God has redeemed every single being. As long as you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you become a candidate that is qualified for the redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself, by his Son, he paid for all the debts. Something that really touches my mind when I look at this portion of the scriptures, it says that I will put my law in their minds and in their hearts. The Bible actually says that I, the Lord, searches the heart and I try the mind. So that means that the Lord already knows what is in the mind and what is in the heart of a human being because he searches the hearts of man and he tries their mind for a specific reason. And given that he is omniscient and there is nothing that can be hidden from him, for he is the all-knowing God, he knows through this way what is good for every single person. And here we see that God is offering us, according to the new covenant, something special for our minds and something special for our hearts. That is the word of God. He wants to instill these words not on a tablet that is made by stones, but something that is written by the Spirit of God, something that will remain abiding in our hearts. For through the blood of Jesus, he takes the iniquities of our hearts transferring them upon the cross and he instills something of much more greater of value his commandment and his word 
through grace so that we will not have to struggle on keeping these things, but he himself putting these things in us. For the Bible says, I will put in their minds and in their hearts. It means it has to do with God putting these things. It has nothing to do with us trying to obey the law. It has to do with God putting these things in our minds and in our hearts. So the Bible goes ahead and says that uh, do not be conformed to the standards of this world, but rather be transformed according to the renewal of your mind. So the Lord, in saying in the scripture that he will put his laws in our mind, his laws has the power and the potential to transform our minds. And once we acquire a mind that is transformed by the word of God, we can say that we have the mind of God, which is a fulfillment of the scriptures that says that we have the minds of Christ. And given that we have the minds of Christ, we know by God's grace what to do in all situations that surround us as believing Christians And also our hearts become revived by the power of the Holy Spirit who brings into our remembrance the things that is required of us as believing Christians. So to anybody who tries to do things by himself, let him remember or let her remember that the grace of the Lord is sufficient to do these things. It has nothing to do with your ability, but it has all to do with God's promise, which he by himself through the Holy Spirit in the prophet says, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. God bless and God keep you. Remain in the faith and let the faith of God remain in you. God bless. Hey, hey, family. Going into Hebrews 9. Get your Bible. And the first verse reads, Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinance of divine service in the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstead and the table of showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the gold pot that had the manor, Aaron's rod that budded in the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherub of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of these things. We cannot now speak in detail. Now, when these things have been thus prepared, the priests went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time 
in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, concerned only with food and drinks, various washing and fleshly ordinance imposed into the time of reformation. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the great and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the asses of a heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctified for the purifying of flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death from the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the tester. For the testament is in force after men are dead. Since it is no power at all while the testier lives, therefore not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet, wool, and high scops, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled the blood, both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and according to the law almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than these. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but itself into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often as a high priest enters the holy place every year with blood. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of age, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly awaits for him. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Amen to the word of God. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins.